Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on Dan's podcast is Stephen Juddelson, who uh, uh, came into my life, doesn't even know he did, 10 years ago when I saw this guy in waders out in the ocean, wading around in the surf with some kind of equipment and he was gathering up salt for a business he was gonna start, which was sea salt that you could bring to your table. And I thought, well, good luck with that. I didn't tell him that, but because uh, I didn't get to talk to him, someone had told me what he was doing. In fact, I haven't spoken to him since, uh, since that time. But what fascinated me about it was the fact that it's his warehouse. There's, that's where he keeps his stock, which is the, the salt. And uh, uh, there was an attempt made uh, about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, to require that anybody who did surf casting uh, in the Atlantic Ocean needed to buy a permit because they'd be catching fish. And that was in state waters. And there was a big rebellion about it. Nobody would buy them. They had to withdraw them, which was very unusual for a state. In any case, I thought about this in connection with the salt. So I'd like you all to meet Stephen Judelson, who is head of, and I will now hold up the product because I have it at my table. So I'm against the sea salt. A nice eight ounce jar. <laughs> it's really nice meeting you and chatting with you, Dan. Thanks for inviting me to join you today. Sure. Where are you from originally and uh, how did you wind up coming out here? Well, I'm from, I grew up in Westchester, in, uh, in Ardsley in southern Westchester, in north of the city. And like many people, my parents started taking my brother and I out to Montauk when we were kids. I think we first started coming here around 1970. Was your dad a fisherman? No, he was just joining the crew of so many other people looking to spend some quality weeks in, in the Hamptons. So this was a one-week vacation in uh, at one of the motels in Montauk one year, and then it became a two-week vacation. And like a lot of people, he ended up, they, my parents ended up renting a house in Montauk. What did and he they, do? What was his job? So my, my dad was a real estate developer. I see. So he was, uh, and he, he really just fell in love with the area, and he actually started building quite a few houses out here. He, uh, among other things, he uh, he did the, the purchase and the renovation of Ocean Col Colony out in Napig. And, and while that, and we kept on coming out, and then uh, like many other people, he, he bought some property in Amagansett, uh, which, which they built a house. He and my mom built a house on when I was in college. And that became a weekend place. Once I graduated school and I was working in the city, this was a place that I would come to and have wonderful, wonderful time. Let me let me jump ahead here. If you go online and anybody goes online, they will see you have a wide variety of 
products with the, with the mainstay being the salt? Well, everything is the salt, and then we have this different salt blends. But um, when I first started doing this, really all I wanted to make was that pure white salt that you have in that, uh, in that jar. I was told by, I was advised by someone a lot smarter than me, perhaps, that it was a nice pipe dream, but as a business, you needed to offer a little bit more varieties. And that's, that's why we have a whole bunch, about eight, about eight different blends and infused salts nowadays. And also some different uh, uh, silverware and stuff like that. Some cellars and some spoons. That's absolutely right. Right. So how did you did you think that this might be a problem? Is getting sea salt out of the ocean and selling it? Did that occur to you? Well, it it did. You know, I had been before we started this as as a commercial venture. I had been making salt as a hobby for since about 1990 or so. And, uh, and about 10, 12 years ago, the idea of making it into a business came about. And like any, like any good professional person, I was a practicing lawyer at that time. I looked into what are the regulations and what, who did I have to speak with, what permits and approvals I had to do. What did you and, find? Well, I was shocked. You know, no one, no one really wanted to talk to me about this. The, the only people that really seemed to care was the town, which wanted to make sure I had a beach permit. It's all they had. It was, you know, it was, you have a parking permit to park in the parking lot and can you, and you have a permit to drive on the beach? Because uh, I'm strong, but probably not that strong to carry that much water back and forth to the beach, to the parking lot. Um, I had spoken to the town, I spoke to the trustees, I spoke to the county, I trust, I spoke to the state, I spoke to the, the federal government, and it turned out that we, that we fall within a lot of gaps, I'll put it that way. A lot of people, a lot of agencies have a concern that we're doing things in a safe and healthy manner, so we, we do require, we are registered with the federal government, we're registered with the state, but no one seems to really know how to treat what we do. So we just do what we do and, and what, what, do, do you do? what do you wear? Do you go in just in the summertime and save it all up or how does it work? We're a 12 month year operation because we're solar evaporating and our, our activities are all outdoors. We produce more salt in the warmer months, but we made we make salt year round. Um, during the colder months, it doesn't go as fast. Obviously, uh, right now we're, we're talking in the beginning of March, and today's although it's a warm day, it's very very humid. So there's not all that much um, there's not all that much evaporation going on. Well, how far down do you go? So we are. We nowadays just wade out to about waist to chest deep. So we're not going too far out. We're going into the ocean where we're collecting the where we're collecting the water. How do you collect the water? So uh, if you've seen any of the pictures of us, uh, I or members of my team, we, we are armed with two five-gallon buckets and we wade in, fill them up, turn around, come out of the beach, pour them into some big drums that we have on the back of, of our Jeeps. And we keep on doing that back and forth. Each, each, each journey to the beach will walk away with about 100 gallons of water. Uh, on summer days, we'll probably do that trip 
two or three times a day. During in July and August, for example, we're probably getting almost 2,000 gallons of water every week that we're evaporating. How do you where do you take it, and how do you what what's the treatment to get it? So we so rent. We rent some farmland from the Conic Land Trust and, and our, our property, our salt works is in Amagansett. Once we get the water from the ocean, we bring it back to our salt works, just a few minutes away from the beach. Uh, we put it through a filtering process and then we plant the water out in what I refer to as our salt pan. These are really just shallow ponds very uh, based on traditional salt pans that are all through Europe and in, and in South America. And outdoors they sit and we then the sun and the wind go to work on them. Uh, how big are the pans? So our the module that we that we worked on and this is after probably about as I said about 20 years as a hobby and then we spent a few years figuring out how to scale it up. The current module is about four feet wide by 16 feet long. And we have several dozens of those. Um, our property is about an acre of size um, and just covered with and covered with these. Can you see it from the road when you drive by? No, we're very, we're far off a, an unmarked trail. Um, so it's not, it's not, uh, it's not visible from the roadside. So, so the water all evaporates, and that's that leaves you with granules. Exactly. It's it's really physical science. It's evaporation. Um, kids, we may have all made sugar candy, and this is pretty much the same thing. But instead of making sugar candy, we're making salt grains. I see. So then you collect it. Uh, how with shovels and rakes? And so small, we do it by hand um, with uh, with wooden with wooden rakes in essence. Uh, again, it's, it's it's really a very traditional method of how salt was collected centuries. And uh, and then it's put into a large drum or some something like that. Is so from so from there we collect we collect the grains. And this past season we had we were. We were just shy of six tons of salt that we were collecting this matter. We then take the salt and we put it through a, a different a purification process in which we're, which we're getting rid of um, some dust falls into it. Um, insects every now and then want to visit it. So we're purifying it and then, and then we bring it back in, inside and we do a really meticulous screening to it in which we put it on these big light tables just making sure that this is as pure product as possible. I see. And then it's bottled. Do you do the bottling there with a funnel and all that? Exactly. The bottling and the labeling, uh, we're not mechanized. We've certainly got a lot more efficient doing it, but it's it's by hand with uh, with a lot of equipment that we've designed and constructed ourselves to, to make everything a little bit better, safer, faster. Greenhouse or something out there? We have not a greenhouse. We have we have we have what we refer to as a as a salt shed, which is really for storage. When I first when I first saw salt making in in the uh, must have been right around 1989 or so, I was I was just so fascinated. Yeah, where did you see it? I was down in Brazil the first time I came across the salt works, and then I and then and then I saw some in uh, in the in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and St. Barts, and then in France and England. And the primitive nature of it, I just thought was fascinating. It is. And 
I wondered whether or not you could do this here. You know, the, the ocean is such a part of being out in Amagansett and the Hamptons. I thought, could you do this? And it appealed to me. So I started making, trying to make salt every which way I could think of. And I had some spectacular failures. And I had some really great successes. And, um, and when, we, when I decided to see if there was a business here, and I went through the notes to see all the different ways we tried to make salt with boiling, with kilns and stuff like that. It was real simple that outdoors, under the sun, it was just the best tasting salt that we could do. So that's, that's the way that we settled on. Is there a difference between Amagansett salt and say Hoboken, New Jersey salt? <laughs> I hope so. You know, we, before we started doing this as a, as, as a, as a business, I did a lot of water testing. We hired some people to do testing. I bought some equipment and I went up from Montauk and then I started going uh, and I started going back West and I was living in the city at that time. We tested um, some water off Brooklyn and it was amazing just the variety or the variation of quality of what's in the water. And there are some parts in Long Island that I, I don't, after doing this testing, I don't think I want to put my toe in the water, <laughs> but, uh, but out here in, in Amagansett, it was just so clean. I originally didn't think the equipment was working. And then yeah. I had to tra travel a couple miles and I found out it was working. Do you wear waders or rubber waders when you're in the sea? So I'm, I'm generally a wuss. I found that out that right now, and the water is really cold, so I'm wearing waders. And as the water gets warmer, I should take them off, but I find I'm so comfortable in them, I'll keep them on until until the middle or the end of June. And then uh, and then I'll just be going on. I'll be going in a bathing suit. Others on the team, um, they're tougher than me, and they'll go in bathing suits up through April, up through November. I'll get on the waders again and probably in the beginning of October. And uh, how many people are working for you now? So, so I have I have a bunch of part time people, because we're so weather dependent. There are many days in which there's no work to be done. So I'll have so I have uh, the past the past year we had four part time people working. I'm still the fastest person getting the water out of the ocean. I found, but. Um, <laughs> And, and there are some days, honestly, in which I wish there were 12 pairs of hands, and some days in which I'm not busy enough for myself. I see. Do you think if somebody down the beach from you started doing the same thing, they weaken the salt? There have, over the years, been people out in our area who've been trying to do this. And uh, I do understand there's a guy up in Montauk, and then another person in, in East Hampton. And I, and I think that what people discovered is that it looks simple, but it's not, it's, it's the details. And I was trying to do this as a part, as a part-time job. And I found it was just impossible to make a quality product. And very, I'm very, very fortunate in that I think I was successful in what I was doing before being a salt maker. The, the grains of these salt these are rather large. I mean, for salt, you wouldn't put them in a shaker. You have no. to pinch them out, I think. 
They are, and they're meant to be used as a finishing salt. I have a lot of salt, so I'll use it for everything. But for most people, you're you're using it and just putting one, maybe two grain on top of your plated foods, and that's all. It, it's um, although they're relative, although they're moderately large grain, there's a hollowness to it, so there's not a huge volume of salt you're getting. And I, I think it just makes your food taste better and certainly feels a lot better in your mouth as well. And you, uh, when you go out, is there a particular place in Amagansett you go to each time? So it's small? I live near Atlantic Avenue. So uh -huh. Atlantic Avenue Beach is, 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 where, is, where, is where I go and where, and where I ask my crews to go. So they drive out, uh, they drive out uh, off to the left or the right or? We go? go. We go west. We we go. We go just about fifty yards to the west of the beach, so we're out of the way during the summertime when the driving restrictions are on. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll choose the time of day uh, during. I'm sorry. Well, during the summertime when there are driving restrictions, we're there early in the morning. We're generally off the beach by eight thirty. Uh, nowadays, I can choose a little bit better when when the tides are more cooperative. Uh, in the evening, when do they stop uh, ticketing people and allow them out on the beach? Six o'clock, but maybe it's because I've grown a little bit older. Six o'clock, there are other things I'd rather be doing, I think. Well, the sun sets at 8.30, so in the summer. That's true. It works. That's very true. So do you, do you uh, keep a warehouse somewhere in, in Amagansett of bottled salt? We have a storage facility, and uh, or we have a facility where we store the salt and where we do our shipping from. About a third of our business is direct retail uh, through the internet and through Amazon. So, so we, far, do, we do need. How far do you send salt around the world or around the country? We do send around the world. Shipping internationally is very expensive. So, by far, the bulk of our business is domestically. And across the United States, honestly, it's, it's pretty equally distributed. I was very, very fortunate that when we started making our salt, there was this wonderful local war movement. You know, eat locally, drink locally. Yeah. And, and that certainly helped us. But within about one or two, within about two or three years, we found we were shipping as much salt to California as we were to New York City. I see. There was an attempt made uh, also about 20 years ago to bottle water in West Hampton out near the airport. They had, they had a well that they were going down and they got raided and stopped because they said, you're, in, you're messing with our aquifer. But the ocean, it's, fortunately, isn't, isn't uh, eligible for being messed with. It can just take it because it just it's, it's, it's there again. Well, I need to... If, if I was putting anything into the ocean, you would need to have permits to discharge. But yeah. to take the water out of the ocean, that, that seems to be unregulated. So there's some things that are still good. Do you have a store or do you have any outlet where people can come and see buy it direct? So we don't have our own outlet. So we, we sell to a whole bunch of stores in Montauk and in Amagansett and East Hampton and Bridgehampton um, and Watermill, Sag Harbor. Easiest way to see it is to or find them is to go to our website at amagansettseasalt.com, and there's a link or there's a page that has a, a list of uh, of local distributors. 
Well, I'm talking to Stephen Juddelson, and uh, who's the uh, uh, king and factotum of Amagansett. <laughs> and it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. And thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.